Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. And we welcome you with the abrupt start None of that bleed over theme music kind of stuff. We like to end it, have a moment of complete silence to gather our thoughts and then begin the show. Welcome everybody to JC and Morgan. You can also check us out at jcandmorgan.com. He is JC. I'm assuming in Chicago because he's wearing a uh, ski cap, which means it's cold per usual. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am at a hotel in Nashville. After calling a game here Saturday and getting ready for Starkville and then Fayetteville. It's the uh, highly anticipated, mostly coveted uh, Nashville, Starkville, Fayetteville junket that I will be on calling SEC uh, basketball for ESPN and the SEC Network. Uh, JC, you know, from 24-7 Sports, and we uh, are both known in the chief sports app community, which continues to grow by leaps and bounds on the regular we've got a lot of stuff to get to again we love this time of year because a as we talk about so often there is no off season in college football anymore in fact some of our most i would dare say intriguing topics come in the off season because we're not bogged down by breaking down the biggest games of the year and so on and so forth so we start kind of venturing a little more on the macro level and the macro has never been more fascinating than it is right now in college football. The other thing that uh, we like, and I know you folks like, is the guest list. We have more time to get great guests on. Josh Pate uh, was on last week. You guys loved it. Uh, really, really strong numbers on all our platforms from YouTube to Spotify to iTunes and just about everything you can think of. Uh, Josh was terrific. Uh, Barrett Salee has been terrific. I, I think Barrett... Um, and we'll have Luke and Bill on again soon, and, and he and Luke's do, for my money, as good a weekly college football radio show as there is on Sirius XM. It's like a Sunday morning wrap-up show, 
and I I hear it because I'm typically on the road driving, returning a rental car somewhere, and um, and I listen. Then they replay it like six times throughout the day, so you can't miss it if you turn on to uh, channel eighty four. But him and Lugs do a terrific job, and Barrett. He's really been the reason why I would go to CBSSports.com to check out the latest in college football coverage that they have. Um, but he is no longer with CBSSports.com, so we'll talk with him about that and what his new ventures uh, are. I'll give you a hint. He's doing a show similar to what we do that's streaming, and uh, I have no doubt will be very successful for him. But he's always a good guy to bat things back and forth. Uh, big picture, what's going on in college football. We've had him on before. Again, another great guest, and we'll talk to Jamie at around 10 o'clock Eastern time. We'll get to the JC5, and um, I, I don't know if it's on the 5, JC. Sometimes I like to go in cold and not know what you're throwing out there, just get a natural reaction. But I'm reading this article today by Heather Denich, another alum of JC and Morgan who we've had on, and I would encourage people to read it. It's on ESPN.com. It's a, it's a soup to nuts what is going on now with this Big Ten SEC alliance and what the future of the playoff is and what the current status is. Like, for example, um, there's specific numbers. Like, I knew the broad strokes, but I didn't know, for example, each playoff team as it stands now. Take a guess, JC. What do you think uh, – what do you think each team – now, the conferences, that's a different number. That's a loftier number. But each team just getting to the 12-team playoff, how much do you think is going to be direct deposited to, let's just say, Alabama under Kalen DeBoer when they make the playoff next year? It has to be around $15 million or so, right? Because uh, some of the major bowls are we're up to like seven or eight, so I would think twice that. Well, and, and I would have thought the same. Now sure. – the conference gets twenty million, okay, just for making the playoff. Sure. So, the, so if the SEC gets, let's just say, four teams, which I think is a pretty safe bet, almost every year, that's eighty million dollars <laughs> that goes to Birmingham. So what you get just for making the playoff is four million. But if you get to the quarterfinals, that's another four million. So now you're up to eight. If you get to the semifinals, you get another six million. Now we're up to 14, and if you get to the finals, another $6 million. So before 20 you know million. it, $20 million. $20 million. People, yeah, that's uh, that's going to pay some salaries for a while. Some would argue that'll, that'll roll over into the NIL to keep all those players from hitting the portal and leaving the way college football is set up right now. That new golf practice facility is going to be a thing of the oh, yeah. reality now. You know, Got to have uh, a slide and – no. Exactly. But uh, no, uh, I, I think it's fair. I think, uh, you know, would I like to see some players get a part of that to be a part of a playoff team, like a playoff bonus or something? Yeah, I, I think that would be a, a good thing for them to do. Um, actually, I, I think it's a no brainer for bowl games. I, I think if you want to you want to get kids to not opt out at the level they're opted out. And I'm not talking about the Leonard Fournette's of the world. I mean, you're a running back one hit could ruin everything if you're going to go that high. And he did. I'm talking about the guys that may not even get drafted that opt out, <laughs> you know, yeah. just kind of, I'm tired of playing. I don't want to go play. I just don't want to do it. Uh, I think you could entice them a little bit with some, some funds, but um, I think that's good. I mean, I think the, the college football playoff is a money maker and the more teams, the more money. I mean, the more, that's the more television space you have, Mike. So now instead of having what three broadcast, we'll have, 
how many? Ten? Oh, uh, yeah. So you've got the, the, four, the two. Yeah, the four, two four, to get from 12 to eight. Yeah, so you have 11. You have 11. four, four, two, and one. There you go. 11 so games. 11. So that's what? Uh, that's almost three times the amount of ad inventory now. Yeah, and as I Tim mean, Brando pointed out on our show way back when, and I've seen nothing that disagrees with this, there's an appetite to go to 16, right? So mm-hmm. there's even more games. There's also a contract that if you believe the reports is being negotiated, ESPN does not want to give, they don't want to share this thing. So they're trying to remain exclusive rights of the whole thing. I'm sure Fox, as well as some other partners out there, are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we want in on this. So the pot is going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. Yeah, and the, the alliance, or not the alliance, I don't want to call it the alliance because that's what they called the other thing, but the the uh, strategic, <laughs> yeah, the strategic initiative that they're doing, the 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 uh, the, the, the advisory committee, uh, that they're going to look after their best interest. And, and, and look, quite frankly, I'm sorry, it's time. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's time. I mean, look, it, it, I'm sorry. Everybody else kind of seems to screw the pooch. Uh, I do like what the Big 12's done, but, you know, they don't have that many marquee programs in that league. They have a lot of programs that have potential. You know, it's like upside, and it's a great basketball league. The ACC reeks of desperation right now. The Pac-12 is no more. So the two big dogs, they they do need deserve to, to chart a course, in my opinion. Yeah, look, this was coming, and I, I again, I, I've spoken to a few people, um, uh, let's just say, who choose to remain anonymous, but certainly know a thing or two about what's going on, uh, the mechanisms behind the, the, the curtain of the machine that is, uh, some would say, a power grab in college football. There has been talk, and, and this relates somewhat to the Tennessee court case, as the NCAA is is ready to lose again and, and continue the worst court record in, in the history of uh, I don't know legal jurisdiction. I'm sure that that makes no sense, but I'm trying to throw some legal terms that I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know this: the NCAA doesn't do well in court, and Tennessee knows that. And so when you try to basically be heavy-handed, uh, what Tennessee is saying is, yeah, good luck. Good luck winning again in court. You're going to lose, and we are going to be just fine. Thank you very much. And what I am, what I have been told is a distinct possibility, and the, one of the reasons why these two conferences uh, have been in, uh, in cahoots, in discussions, is that there is a clear possibility that the Big Ten and, and the SEC could say sayonara, uh, we are not interested. We are we are not going to be a part of this. Do you ever see the movie Training Day? It's a dimer for me. Uh, Denzel Washington. Remember he plays uh, Alonzo. You're muted, JC. Uh, plays plays Alonzo, and there's the scene at the end where Alonzo is surrounded by uh, a bunch of guys, and it's a very. I mean, it's to me, it's the scene that wrapped up it- the Oscar. It's a powerful right. scene. Yeah, I don't it's know a what powerful you're scene. Denzel you know who I'm talking awesome. about. I mean, he's surrounded mm-hmm. by like gang members in the hood, and he's trying to. Uh, he's got the money he's going to give to the Russian mob to save his life, and you've got uh, the other character. Help me out with the actor's name, uh, who's outstanding in the movie. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Thank you. 
Ethan Hawke is like, you know, you want to go to jail, you want to go home. You're not get you're not getting this money. It's not happening. Anyway, Alonzo, aka Denzel, <clears throat> is like so worked up and he's spitting as he talks and he's got and he's like he says the following. Now it didn't end well for Denzel, aka Alonzo in training day, but but just blank that out of your mind for this analogy, for this metaphor. He says and I'll clean it up for the family audience on J.C. and Morgan. You guys don't run ish. You just live here. That's what the SEC and Big Ten are telling the rest of college sports and the NCAA. You don't run ish. You just live here. In other words, you're paying rent. We own it. That's, that is the move that Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti are telling the NCAA, who has just been so on the sideline for everything wrong right now with college athletics, and then every now and then tries to flex its muscle, which goes nowhere, uh, and and telling the other leagues that stand You know, I gave the numbers for playoff teams, and 80% of the revenue as it stands right now will go to the Power 5, 20% to the Group 5. That's a 4-to-1 ratio. But but what they're saying is, well, wait a minute now, why are we why are we giving the same amount of money to the Big Twelve? Why are we giving the same amount of money to? Uh, of course, there's no PAC anymore, but the ACC, and for that matter, why are we giving automatic bids to these programs? Why are we doing the seven five model, right? Why are we doing five automatic bids and then set? Why, let's just do all twelve, where we know we being the SEC and Big Ten, we know we're going to have the overwhelming majority of teams in the playoff every year. So this is, like you said at the top, JC, this is not a weak alliance with uh, a weak conference commissioner running the Big Ten and the ACC treading water and the PAC. Like, that was such a silly little exercise. It's almost like you wanted to pat them on the head and go, that's cute. That's you guys, you, you... you you did well here. You keep keep drawing. Keep color it in between the lines next time. This is what I don't care what you want to call it. An alliance, a duopoly, a cabal. No matter what you want to call it, these people are going to run the sport. And uh again, I don't I think this is just scratching the surface. I think some dramatic things could be coming down uh the pike when it is all said and done. Um by the way, and we're going to have to to bump the JC five because we're, we're we're running a little behind. I don't want to. We didn't even get to number four last week. Some of our listeners were like, "Wait a minute, where's number four? Number four might have been like your best work, JC. And we never got to. So you can't just it, race into a JC five. It wasn't my best one. I, I think I skipped and went to five because of time, and then I was like, well. if we cut it off here we cut it off here but um it didn't make the cutting room floor it's on the deleted scenes dvd that we'll put out for jc and morgan well well, one thing since we got three minutes travis from the chat box does say get the football aspect Mm -hmm. of it but does that not crush baseball and basketball your take on that real quick i i think to go back to your comments on chip kelly and what he was saying that you might just treat football as a separate identity and i've said this for years Here's what the NCAA is good at. The one thing they are good at, and it's undeniable, they are a great event planner. They are a great – they – look, for years I've broadcasted college basketball, college baseball, um, 
I've done a little bit of softball. I've done track and field. And, and all of these are under the NCAA umbrella. And, and I can tell you, they run a really good ship. They, it's not just March Madness that they've been incredibly successful with, which is their cash cow, which brings in a billion dollars a year in TV revenue. All those sports that we don't talk about on this show and don't get nearly as much love. College baseball, the, the, the regional, super regional format that they came up with in 1999. It's terrific. It's great. They run softball well. They run soccer well. They run wrestling well. The NCAA is not just a bunch of morons that can't do anything right. They just don't know football, and they don't know how to handle football, and the people that truly run football don't want their help. And so I could see a scenario where they say, look, NCAA, take it or leave it. You continue to run every other sport, but you're not running football. And for that matter, they could get a little bit, I don't want to say greedy, but they could say, you know what, NCAA, we're also going to, that billion-dollar-a-year cash cow that is men's basketball, we're going to run that too. So you take care of everything else, the other 86, 87 sports and championships that you have been running, you keep doing it. You You fill out the brackets. You do the selection shows. You do... But we got football and basketball. We got this. Should be their new motto, their new motto at the SEC and the Big Ten. The the one thing I don't like about the basketball thing, and I'll say this because I know it's not a basketball show, although we both are knee deep in the sport sure. this time of year. I, I, and I don't disagree with Greg Sankey on much, but I feel, and he hasn't been one hundred percent public about this. I feel his opinion is more power five, more power schools get need to get in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's expanding the tournament or whether that's, you know, kicking the little guys the curb, I will say this. The March Madness will not be March Madness if you're sitting there watching a 16 and 15 Mississippi State versus a 17 and 15 Wisconsin, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, Stony Brook or uh, Albany or uh, St. Peter's or Loyola, Chicago, or, or, or those kind of dramatic moments we've had in the tournament through the years, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, it's just the spectacle of it, that it loses its shine. And I think you. basketball is unique in that way. You know, we've I'm all watched you. Hoosiers. Y'all remember Hoosiers? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the beauty, beautiful thing about that, at the time, well, that was set, and I don't know if they still do it this way or not, the state of Indiana did not have classifications. Right. All, it was little schools. It was everybody in a free-for-all. And that's what made Hickory High winning it so special and, and that's the ncaa basketball tournament so I, i'd just be careful with that because you're going to lose a lot of value i think uh, and a lot of eyeballs from casual people like my wife you know maybe watches two basketball games a year but march madness she's front and center where the bracket filled out loves the dramatic moments i mean you're going to lose some folks if you don't preserve you know wake up and preserve that because in that sport it's not all about the power teams uh now i like what they did with the nit don't get me wrong I thought the NIT was getting really bad because it was basically a mid-major invitational. But that tournament needs to kind of stay somewhat similar uh, no matter who's running it. I I completely agree. And, again, my hope is is if they do decide to take over men's basketball as well, that they would not mess around with the format. However, some of the financials, they might mess around with that. And and some of the rules and regulations, you know, kids having to wait – three months into the season to get their waiver to transfer it like that all that would be gone um that would be part and parcel of the uh the, the takeover if you will by these two conferences saying again 
we got this. We don't need you anymore. Thank you for your service. And please handle the other 86 championships, but we don't need you to handle football and maybe not even men's basketball. All right. We will deal with a man who's got a handle on a number of things. Barrett Salee, you've known him for years at CBS Sports uh, as well as Sirius XM Radio. He's got a new project that he'll tell us about, and we'll get some of his thoughts on all these things going on in the world of college football. Quick timeout. Barrett Salee on the other side of J.C. and Morgan. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And chicken cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. Listen up. This is for construction professionals, contractors, facility managers, or do-it-yourself homeowners. Cypro Rentals is ready to equip your upcoming project. We rent construction equipment for any size job. Boom and scissor lifts, telehandlers, skid steers, excavators, air compressors, generators, even small tools and equipment. SitePro has you covered. If you are ready for better equipment rental, call SitePro and rent from the local, friendly, easy-to-do business with equipment professionals. Call 972-RENT-NOW. That's 972-736-8669 to rent the newest equipment in the Atlanta market. Call 972-RENT-NOW or visit SitePro. ProRentals.com. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. 
1998, or you can go to EliteRoofingGA.com. Schedule a no-hassle, free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. We welcome you back to JC and Morgan here on a Monday installment. Again, uh, we're all over the map here. So we've got JC in Chicago. I'm at a hotel in Nashville. And back in my home city, I believe, in his cozy home studio, <laughs> is Barrett Salee joining us now. Uh, Barrett, how are you, my friend? Last time we had you on, we didn't have the video component of all this. Uh, I know I watched a little bit of your smothered and covered, so I know you are now entering this dimension as well. Are you uh, excited? Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun. Through uh, three episodes, already have uh, received a ton of good uh, good feedback. Some negative, but mostly positive. So it's uh, it's been fun doing this from the house, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully at some point as successful as you guys. Uh, if your ears were burning in our first segment, I was uh, just speaking truth. There, there are... There's a lot of people now in our space, if you will. There are a few that I generally go out of my way to read or listen to, and you've been one of those guys uh, over the years. I, for I me, appreciate that. No, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you and I don't know each other that well. We've met a couple of times just covering different events, so I, I say this with, uh, with no quote-unquote personal relationship. I just think you have the right tone in the way you cover the sport, uh, you know, we had Josh paid on last week, same type of deal. Like there's just, there's a few guys that I'm like, yeah, I actually care what they have to say. There's a number of people that can just put a microphone on and talk. Um, but there, there's some that for me just have more credibility than others. And I look, we all have former employers and I, I don't, I don't know if you, how deep you want to get into this, but one of the things I said was that there, one of the reasons why I would go to CBSSports.com for coverage was to read what you had to say. I don't know if I'm going to be as inclined to do so. Uh, just any thoughts on your time there? I know that obviously CBS no longer has any ties with the SEC. I don't know if that was a factor, but but just any thoughts on your time there writing for CBSSports.com? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, seven seasons. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching and helping the website grow. I, I was a part of the launch of CBS Sports HQ, the mm -hmm. over-the-top streaming channel. And I mean, I'll be honest, the beginning of that, uh, we didn't know what we were doing. And by the end of it right now, it's uh, it's cranking along. So, you know, I enjoyed my time. And I think like some relationships do, it's just time to move on. And yeah. Uh, really looking forward to the future. And I think uh, in this space, we are all one family and it is congested, right? Like I think we all know, and it's like the Dr. Pepper commercial, right? Like every every fan's got to have a podcast. And, and that's that's true. And I think right now, looking around the space, it's we're not competitors. We're, we can all bring each other up. And so that's kind of why at least part of the reason why I'm excited to uh, to start this new project, I guess restart this new project because SEC Smothered and Covered was very successful in 2016 through 2018, and this is just a new iteration of that. I like to to think that uh, 
that this isn't new, that it's just uh, the second half of what was uh, a fun first half and then a six, seven-year break. It's a tremendous remember. name and brand. Isn't it great? Smothered and covered is perfect. I mean, did, did, did you the, hire a marketing team to come up with that, or was that your uh, your bad boy? It was it was my idea, and I just hope I don't get a cease and desist. So uh, <laughs> Waffle House, I, I love you with every fiber of my being. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that you know they're a multi multi million dollar franchise. Hopefully, they have bigger fish to fry or or, or waffles, as as it were. Um, <laughs> See what you did there. I, I see. Like it. Yeah. It all comes around. We, we had you on a couple of years ago, and I can't remember if we covered this. So I know a little bit about your background. But for those that don't, uh, I, the Auburn ties, right? And and obviously you live in Atlanta. I mentioned that. And you have a, a, a rich tradition of covering not just the sport nationally, but a kind of a micro on, on the SEC. But, but give kind of uh, the, the folks a path to where <laughs> you went from point A to point B and where you are now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of uh, kind of been all over the place, right? Um, grew up an Auburn fan with season tickets. That's where I went. Um, that's kind of the football games I went to more than anything else uh, when I was a kid. Uh, went to Auburn, worked at media relations when I was at Auburn. That's kind of how I got to know a lot of the people uh, in this industry, or at least those who were in the industry at the time. Uh, was at Fox Sports South back when it was called Fox Sports South. Now it's called Bally. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the old Southern sports reports. I was a, a part oh, of yeah. that. Um, also part of the Arizona sports report because they did our, their show out of our studio. So uh, those 4 a.m. Uh, for leaving at 4 a.m. Uh, was always fun. Um, but then, then actually did some radio for, uh, I was part owner of a indoor lacrosse team and did some radio what? for them as well. And then, yeah, it's a, I had no idea that part. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. The 08 recession, <laughs> uh, 2008 recession kind of hurt uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but college football news got hired by Bleacher Report when they started hiring full-time writers in CBS. And now here I am. So I have been sort of all over the place. See, and that's why I say, like, and I'm all about shoot your best shot. For for the young people out there listening, you want to get in the business, you want to start a podcast, God bless you. Give it a shot. I, I'm I'm glad that more and more people have an opportunity. But again, I like the people that have grinded in this business and have had to work their way up and continue. And as, as I tell when I speak to broadcasting classes, you're going to make like no money your first few years in this business. Yes. Like you are going to be broke. Get used to it. You're going to live in cities in all likelihood that you don't want to live in, and you're going to make no money, and you're going to work every weekend, and you're going to have problems maintaining a relationship because you're going to be working every weekend and odd hours. Like just yep. understand – but if you can survive all that, it's what we love. It's We all have a passion doing it. And like I said, some are just better at it than others. When you were at Auburn, was, was Partridge, was he in sports information? Who was running things then? It was Meredith Jenkins and then Kirk Sampson, who is Sampson, still there. Sampson, that's right. Kirk, yeah. has, uh, Kirk has been uh, been there, I think, for about 75, 80 years, it seems Yeah, it's, like. it feels like it. And we just lost – I mean, I don't want to say we lost him. He's still alive. But Claude Felton's leaving Georgia. And yeah, Claude and he's, another. that dude's awesome. Claude's, one of the best Claude's a legend yeah and I, I again for average fans maybe this means nothing but the sports information directors are the lifeblood for us to get information whether we're broadcasting a game yes. or just covering a game without them our job becomes infinitely harder and some clearly do it better than most and because of the the long again the long hours the 
The money's not getting any better for those guys. Uh, what I've noticed is a lot of them are, it's kind of like college football coaches. They're like, yeah. I've had it with all this I'm NIL. And I don't want to deal out. with this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I want to sell insurance instead. It seems like yeah. a better life at this point. Um, but no, Auburn has always been one of the best in, for my money in terms of sports information and taking care of the media and, and, and doing it uh, the right way. So, so you were there with Terry Bowden era. When, when were you there? My first year was the year Terry got fired and then Tubbs got hired. And the last three and a half, I guess, were, uh, were when Tubbs was there and it was a different era, man. Um, with Tubbs, when he was there, you could literally just roll into his office, put your feet up on his desk and chat no matter who it was. And think about that now. Um, getting into a head coach's office is like getting into the vault of a bank, right? Like there's zero chance that anybody could do what we did back in the day. So it was great. We had, uh, we had Ron Franklin and Mike Godfrey in, uh, in town a lot doing, uh, doing games. Uh, we had the Daves obviously as well. So it was a good time. It was a lot of fun, met a lot of people. And, uh, some of my best friends were from, from that era. I, I, I think there's a 30 for 30 that's got to be cooking or some type of documentary on the Terry Bowden years. Like, oh, my you goodness. Co- you get that job and you go 21 and one your first 22 games. Now, you're on probation, so you don't get to play in the postseason. And half your uh, many of those games were not even allowed to be televised. Yep. So if you were an opposing fan, you had to watch it on pay-per-view. Uh, and, and then... And I know probably more than I want to know about some of the things that went on behind the <laughs> scenes, uh, and I'm sure you know that too. But but he also started losing games, and before you know it, he's like gone and coaching in the MAC and one AA, and I don't know what is is Terry still doing. I don't even know. But I think he, he got just, fired this year. He, he got fired this year. So I mean, he went from this people. If you were around that time in '93, '94. He took over the SEC, but I mean, with force. It was like, oh my yeah. goodness! And he's the son of Bobby Bowden, and then like he just vanished out of thin air. That's an incredible <laughs> demise. It was he, well. I mean, when you start trying to recruit 155 pound players to play running back in the SEC, <laughs> generally speaking, that's not going to work out very well. Um, and Rusty Williams did not work out very well. But uh, you know, honestly, though, it's interesting because. This is the super bit uh, off on a tangent. You look at how he operated those teams, what got him fired. Damian Craig being a, a mobile quarterback, you know, slot backs getting all creative with how you use running backs. It actually might have worked in this day and age. Yeah. And Bill Oliver knew how to coach up some D now. Yeah, he did. Bill. Bill was the, brother. Bill. Bill took on a different character at the end, though. Um, that was a different, uh, different situation. I, well, I mean, he, he, Stephen Davis was a South Carolina. He's from a hometown. I actually played he's corner, two years older. Right? Than me. No, no, that's Rusty Williams. That's Rusty uh, Williams. Uh, Sorry. Stephen was from Spartanburg. He and Damone Fields. And that was a big, big win. Cause Stephen was six, two, two twenty, ran a four, four, five. It was a beast. I mean, fastest guy Not on bad. the track. Uh, one of the biggest freaks to ever come out of South Carolina. So Auburn got him for some reasons. Uh, and then Pat Dye got him, and uh, and then Terry inherited him. And boy, that that first team, you didn't see them, but they beat Florida by thirty eight thirty five, uh, and then and went undefeated. And and that's Auburn to have that happen, and then have O four happen shortly thereafter. Uh, if I were an Auburn fan, I'd that would kill me. You know, I mean, that's two undefeated teams that didn't play for anything. Yeah, my uh, um, my dad, my dad was not happy. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, and then they went nine one and one the next year, beat Spurrier in the swamp. Patrick Nix. Um, 
And I, yeah. Did you know, JC, that Patrick Nix is actually Bo Nix's dad? I don't know if we've gotten know. that over the last five years. Did some? I, mean, I, I, I never knew that. My goodness. Crazy. Somebody ought to do a story on that. We needed, we needed somebody. Please, breaking news. But no, uh, it was, those are great Auburn teams. I always thought Terry could coach. I think what got him at the end, he should have stayed at North Alabama. That's a solid job. They win. He could have kept winning and going to the playoffs. You don't go take Akron. You don't go take Monroe. Yeah. Not yeah. if you're Terry freaking Bowden. And uh, and that's what got him because he, he took two jobs where it's just really impossible to win. But uh, always had, I always liked him a little bit better than, than maybe other folks did. I always kind of thought, well, maybe if he'd had another year. But you're right, 155-pound running back at that point in the SEC wasn't going to work. No, not at all. Good TV broadcaster, too. Yeah, I used to do it when I was a recruiting guy. I did a show down in Orlando every week, like in 07 when I was at Rivals. That's right. That's right. I, did, I used to do yeah. t- Terry Bowden's show all the time. He was awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed his commentary. And I, I understand the itch to coach. But like I said, that North Alabama gig, to me, it's a lot, a lot easier to win there than Akron or freaking. Monroe. For sure. We're talking with Barrett Salee. Again, the show is smothered and covered and also on Sirius XM uh, with Tom Lugan. But when, when are you guys joining forces again? I know it's the off season. It's quote unquote. Well, he joined, he joined college football smothered and covered on Friday. And basically we just BS for a long time because that's there what we, we do on Sirius XM as yes. well. Um, but it's basketball season. So they kick him off the show for a little while. So okay. me and the shooter, Pat Bradley, hang out oh, for Patrick. a while. And nice. then uh, that's my guy. And then after the final four, um, they they invite Tom back. They let him back through the doors, which I love because I love Tom, but uh, got to mentally prepare for his return. Well, you guys are great together on the show. Um, it, it just has a natural flow uh, to it. So all right, let's let's pretend uh, JC and I will, will play the role of Luganville, <laughs> and let's pretend we're doing the show here on a Sunday morning uh groggy and uh still kind of getting over a long saturday night of college football action Mm -hmm. we don't have action on the field but man do we have a lot off the field i I alluded to the heather dinich piece today kind of getting breaking down specifics on the numbers and the playoffs and obviously the biggest story is the sec and big 10 whatever you want to call it uh let's get get away from the term alliance but uh they're making a power move they they are as i said like to me this is a Hashtag, we got this. Like, we don't need yeah. you anymore, NCAA. And quite frankly, uh, if you're the other conferences, you can either come with us or try to float on your own, like DiCaprio on that little slither of ice after the Titanic sank. Uh, good luck with that. So, what do you make of where we are and where we're headed? See, I think it's just a leverage play going into the college football playoff meetings, which are taking place today and tomorrow in Dallas. I think that's that's a big part of it. I think this is a re a, a way for them to legitimately tell everybody in that room, Hey, we are, we're good to go. We will leave. We only have two more years left on this college football playoff contract. We're out. The other stuff, the NIL stuff that is, I think I wouldn't say secondary, but from an immediate stand, immediacy standpoint, I think it's mostly about the college football playoff. Now, um, will will it bleed into you know things beyond that yeah for sure um but it's basically a threat that they're going to break off and ultimately greg sankey and tony Petiti they know what's best for college football and 
if you're going to flat out say that the national championship is just the big two, which is kind of where they're getting, then that's not good. If you're going to sit here and say, hey, we have different NIL rules than everybody else, that's not going to fly. That's not how this this whole thing works. So, you know, I, I think it's all leverage. I think it's leverage for today uh, today's meetings in Dallas for the playoff. I think it's leverage for whatever happens. I think the the committee, uh, not the, the playoff committee, the NCAA folks meet in March or April, I believe. I think it sets the tone for that as well. Um, but it's just, there's no way that even though they make a lot more money, that they're going to legitimately say, hey, we're better off if it's just our two conferences. I just don't see how that's how that's possible. Now, I, the, the way to argue that, devil's advocate, is they're only there to look out for their conferences. And that's true. But their conferences succeed if it's a national sport. If you still have Clemson, you still have um, you know, Oklahoma State, you still have some of these schools that are not in the big two, you still need them to have a successful sport. So long term, ultimately, they have to recognize that. And I think they do recognize that. No, I, I'm with you. I think it's a leverage play, but it's a pretty strong leverage. Like For sure. Like what If you're like the ACC, what leg do you possibly have to stand on? So, for example, you mentioned the meetings in, in Dallas. If they say, the hell with this 5-7 model, uh, we, we need to do something that has fewer automatic bids and more based on merit in terms of who the best 12 teams are uh, eventually 16, um, who, who they are. Like, so, I mean, how are they going to deny that, I guess would be my question. Uh, do, you, do you honestly think that we're going to stay with a 5-7 model for very long? Yeah, I do, honestly, because it, it, the, chi- the, the, the chips have sort of, the, the dominoes have stopped falling to an extent, right? Like, I don't think the Big Ten or the SEC are going to expand beyond that. So, if, if the 5-7 model, which I think will happen, I think the only hurdle they have to clear is the revenue distribution for the Pac-2, which will take care of itself. Um, in the 5-7 model, look, you have to have a spot reserved for somebody outside the Power 4, at least one. Now, granted, you could have a situation where no Power 4 conferences get in. That's just the way things are. Un- not going to happen, but in theory, you can. But you have to have one reserved for a lesser team. So... I think that's all they want, the lower tier teams, lower tier conferences. And I think the the power four understand that the public kind of wants that too. The public kind of wants to have a Cinderella option, even though that Cinderella is going to get smoked every single year. So, you know, I think the five, seven model, a, it'll be agreed upon tomorrow. Um, and then beyond that, I think you're talking about a, a, probably a 12 year contract. I don't think they're going to go six. I think they're going to go 12. And, you know, at that point, if it is just the big 10 or the sec, or you have the NFL model, where's the NFC and AFC or whatever, um, they'll reassess at that time. But to me, I think since the dominoes have pretty much stopped falling from a realignment standpoint, everybody's going to be okay with this system. There obviously some conferences, some individuals are going to think the other issues, other formats will be better or worse or whatever, but Everyone's content with the way this is. The five seven is gonna gonna stay for a long time, and wow. then we'll see what happens beyond the the contract. So, so you think 
Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti are sitting there saying we're okay with, uh, I don't know, take your take your pick, yeah, Georgia Southern out of the Sun Belt one year, and another. well, the thing the thing is they have to be. I, I think in their minds they're not right. Like they're not going to be happy with it, but they understand right. that they have to be happy with it. Otherwise, the playoff committee is going to get sued, which means they might not necessarily lose money. They might not make as much money as they possibly could because the playoff committee is getting sued. Right. So mm-hmm. I think ideally Greg Sankey would want every sec team, right. They, they he would not want, you know, a Sunbelt team or a, or a mountain West team to be in obviously like that's no, I don't, and I don't want that. I don't think a lot of us want that, but I think in that discussion, they realize, and I think, you know, the ACC and the Big 12 do as well, that they sort of have to be. That's one thing that they have to concede. Is that antitrust? Is that what we're talking about? Not to get too deep into the legal yeah. weeds, but is that yeah. the, yeah, okay. And these the smaller conferences have been part of the the show the whole time. Yeah. It's not as if the Power Five said, we're going to have our own playoff. See you guys later. I mean, they brought those other conferences to the table. I mean, Cincinnati uh, made it. When, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati made it. Well, that's yeah, my I mean, point is that, I don't know if they need an automatic bid. I mean, there's a good chance with 12 teams that and, there's going to be one from the group five that get in the top 12. That's not out of the – we've seen it before. It's not out of the question. Say, I would say there there might even be two, at some point, two lower-tier teams that if, get automatic bids. If you have a conference champion like, a like say, one of those Pittsburgh teams upset Clemson in the yeah. ACC. So that conference champion at, at, at eight and five – it's going to be ranked be lower than, than like, so say you got uh, Tulane out of the American and then, uh, you know, Boise State out of the, the Mountain West. And Boise State's undefeated and Tulane's undefeated. Those are both going to be higher ranked than Pitt. So you'd have two group of five conference champions uh, in the, because the, the rule state is just the top five. Well, it's top six now. It'll top, be top five yeah. conference champions, no matter what. So, so that that could be crazy as well. And at that point, I'd probably kick the ACC out of the playoff, which I'd probably do that anyway, and just take about four of their teams and say, "Ah, oh, you guys have screwed this up enough." But, um, yeah, I, I think the Cinderella's part of it. I mean, this year, think about this, guys. You'd have had a five twelve game in Tallahassee, Florida State versus Liberty. Yeah, and Florida State, by the time that game was played. I don't know that they boat race Liberty in that one, especially if um, Liberty's offense is clicking and, and all that because of their quarterback situation. Yeah, you know, and and look, I mean, they they want those games, you know, in the early rounds, and so if if you have two Cinderellas or two, you know, non-power, I guess power four, I don't know what we're calling it now, whatever it is, um, then those teams are going to be pretty solid, right? So I don't know, it's it'll be fun. I'm. I'm a regressionist. I want to go back to two, the BCS, but uh, you know, this is this is the better. You've been holding made. on tight for that, and I respect your hardline stance. Even the BCS worked. It was it worked. You're oh, an gosh. Auburn guy, and so you're an Auburn roots guy, and said the BCS worked. Well, Oklahoma and USC were better that year. Granted, USC cheated, so you know. Oklahoma wasn't bad. Oklahoma got that, that Auburn team. I think could have hung with Southern Cal. I, I oh, they could have hung with I, them for sure. Yeah, they that Oklahoma didn't. I mean, they blew them out of the water. But I don't know. That's it's fun to debate. But man, that, that's interesting. I, I did I, not expect I, to hear you like the BCS. 
I, I I know just listening to the Sunday show, you've been you've been clinging to that for a while, and I I still have some friends that 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 do the same thing to me every year. This wouldn't happen with the BCS, and of course we get into a thirty minute debate about it. I will uh, say one thing now. I, I don't want to get it. I again, I've conceded that I'm like a politician. Like I've called, I've conceded the race. Right, right. The BCS gave you storylines outside of the national championship that were awesome. You know, going to the Rose Bowl, getting a, a, a Sugar Bowl bid, Heisman trophies, all those things, the playoff has ruined those. You don't you don't have traditional college football buzz in other aspects outside of the college football playoff now. That's true. This is a classic case if we're going to have to agree. Because I, I think the games in <laughs> November now are going to be better than ever for in, in a lot of cases. Uh, the, the team Games that would have been playing for a bowl game that is going to have 27 opt-outs are now in, intriguing because so many more teams have a chance at the playoff. I, I, to me, no, that's a it, win. I, like, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I know I'm not going to convince you either. That's okay. That's I mean, we, we got to have the different uh, takes on some stuff, right? What is your take? Speaking of which you mentioned Florida state or JC did um, on how that thing is going to, I mean, to watch them go back and forth, it is Jerry Springer esque, but how do you think it's first off, Florida state has to find a landing spot. Like the sec and the big 10 have to want to bring you in. And you know, if they do, it's not going to be an equal part of the pie. It's going to be a very uh, favorable deal to the conferences in terms of you're not getting an equal share of TV money like that. That ain't happening. Um, you don't almost have to pull an, an SMU and say, no, no, we we don't need that TV money. We just want in. And and secondly, you've got to get out of an ironclad contract. So how do you think that happens? And of course, that would affect teams like Clemson and perhaps Miami as well, because I don't think any of them want to stay in that conference much longer. I think they're so pissed off that they'd go independent. Like at this point, they are wow. so mad that they would go independent. I, I think it'll happen once they have enough money or or at least can take a short-term financial hit, knowing that they can have a long-term financial gain. But I still I still think, and this is such a stupid name. Do you remember the the Magnificent Seven a couple of years ago when it was like Florida State, Clemson, yeah. North Carolina was in yeah. that group? Virginia Tech, I, Virginia. I, yeah. yeah. I still think that exists behind the scenes and all of those schools are perfectly fine having Florida state be the front man. I, I, I think that this will lead to the ACC dissolving or all of those teams leaving. Wow. And, and all of those are perfectly fine being the front. It's a lot like what's happening with Tennessee right now, right? Every school in America is like, yeah, Tennessee, do it. Be that, be that team, fix everything, be the change agent. Right. I think that's what's happening still with Florida State. So, and honestly, I think the, the conference knows that. So, yeah, they're it is they're going to figure things out. They're going to either renegotiate their contract, find a way, or they they're gonna they're gonna die. They're gonna go the way of the Pac-12. Maybe not to that extent, but yeah, Florida State. Th- there's no way they're they're in that conference through the 2036 end of that of that media rights deal. Zero chance. I know it's February, but uh, let's put our in-season caps on, or let's pretend it's August and we're getting ready for the start of of the year. Uh, and specifically, let's look at the SEC for a moment. Um, you know, there's so many intriguing storylines here with the goat gone. How does Kalen DeBoer do? I've I've said, I, I like the hire, 
doesn't mean it's going to work. I think the hire makes all the sense in the world. It could fail in three years. It's absolutely conceivable. Uh, you've got two coaches that the seat couldn't be hotter in Sam Pittman and Billy Napier. You've got Lane Kiffin. Can can he take Ole Miss to, to new heights, uh, at least heights that haven't been seen in a half a century? Um, you've got pro- programs like the one you're familiar with in Auburn that is uh, intriguing in a number of different ways. I mean, there's all kinds of great storylines this year. And, of course, the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, that that alone is a big story. What what are some of the things you've got your eye on? Yeah, the Texas-Oklahoma thing, to me, trumps everything else just because of what Texas did last year, right? And the fact that they've been a, a portal star and they get, I think, the biggest free agent in the country and Quinn Ewers back because he could have gone any, done anything he wanted to. Uh, so the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, but specifically Texas, is fascinating to me because I didn't think that Texas would be able to compete when that announcement was made, what, 2021, I think it was. I, I, I think I was wrong because I think that team can compete for an SEC championship right now. So that's the biggest one. Obviously, the Kalen DeBoer thing in Alabama. I'm with you. I think it was the right hire. It's gonna. I'm intrigued by it. You go hire a winner then that's always a good idea. And I think how he's sort of orchestrated that staff, being some of his guys and some of the SEC guys, that's the right way to go about it. It's sort of like the anti-Brian Harson thing. And that's always a good, uh, whatever he did doing the opposite is usually <laughs> a good idea. Um, so, and but it's funny, you mentioned all these storylines. You didn't mention Georgia at all. And I think that's it, right. It, just assume it, it they're so going to be great again. Yeah, because nobody's talking about Georgia. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the SEC has all these other things to talk about. And it's true. But I mean, I, I can't wait to see what Carson Beck does. I can't wait to see, you know, how how that offense looks, um, you know, in year two under Bobo. Like, it's just I the all the other changes around the SEC. I think are directly tied to what Georgia has done, but they lost the SEC championship game, right? So what do they do to fix that? So I I think that's one of those underrated storylines that people aren't talking about. It's simple. You you don't have Nick Saban on the other sideline. They never beat him in Atlanta Yep, at all. Could not do it. Had to go to Indiana and beat him. And, and how, and Bama's receivers all got, Wow. <laughs> Indianapolis is a nice place, though. I thought oh, I yeah. Indianapolis in, in the winter, it's still fine. A lot. I hate driving through it because the state of yes. Indiana, I think, decided to spend all of their road construction uh, infrastructure money at once. Yes. Them in Kentucky, because you got to go down there to get to South Carolina. And I, I've done that drive three times in the past six months. I hate it. Not fun. Every 20 miles. It's crazy. Anyway, it's like, it's like for years, the stretch of I 20 from Atlanta to Birmingham. Yeah. I, I, I thought they were never going to get that done. Nope. <laughs> 65. I, I, I don't know what they do. I think they just insert more potholes to stay mm-hmm. on the job between Atlanta and Birmingham. On I-20. I think it's a cone storage area. Like any, any <laughs> cone, cone they just, that's the storage area. Yes. Unbelievable. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, right, yeah. Barrett. Yep. Oh, sorry, go ahead, JC. You got something up for you? No, I just, about? yeah. You know, Alabama, you mentioned that. And I think that's a key, you know, as far as Georgia goes. But, you know, you do look at the offense. What was maybe missing from Georgia during this run? If you had to say one thing, I'd I'd say receiver. The first couple of years this past year, I thought they were loaded at receiver, but they haven't had that. I guess since maybe DeAndre Swift, they haven't had that marquee. You know, because I go back with Georgia to like the Lars Tate era in the eighties. Yeah. They've always had a stud, like just a stud running back. Sometimes three or four. 
Trevor Etienne coming in. I think there's the there's the obvious answer to have that marquee backpack. And uh, don't you think with the way Bobo does like to run the ball and mix it up, don't you think it's a little scary for the rest of the league that they have that guy now? Yeah, it is. I mean, he was underutilized at Florida, um, which might be why Billy Napier is under fire right now because he didn't <laughs> give Trevor Etienne more run. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think he'll be that guy. Um, you know, the thing about Georgia too is – They've had three or more the last couple of years, which which has worked. But Bobo always has that one, and then maybe a one B, right? A Gurley, Keith Marshall, or whatever you want to do. Um, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. Um, you know that that was after Bobo, but that was still the same blueprint. Kirby liked it, and, and obviously continued it early in his career. So it'll be Trevor Etienne. I'm fascinated to see who one B is because they still have options. But just that battle and how that works out, because I don't think they want to have, you know, uh, what they've had last, you know, last year with with Robinson and, and all these other guys. Yeah. Can, uh, Milton sort of being in, in that mix when he's healthy that hadn't been stable. So I know I'm excited to see that. That's going to be yeah, fun. Bobo's a, a two back guy. I, I thought I thought I was saying one of the things Monk had did the first national championship year. He's kind of masterful at rotating four guys. And you, they, you know, usually when you have four different backs with different skill sets, you can tip your hand a little bit, play calling wise. People, oh, well, yeah. this guy's coming in, so they're going to run this. He didn't. That's why I thought his play, Monken's play calling was, was unreal. Yeah, it really I, was. I he kinda, and think about James jump. Cook at Buffalo right now. He was almost only, yeah. he, he was one of those guys where you came in and you had to absolutely prepare for him to be a receiver because he, he, half the time, he essentially was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good right, yeah, runner. Brilliant. Uh, when he when he holds on to the ball for Josh Allen in Buffalo, um, <laughs> I, I I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Tennessee. And I I caught like I said some of your uh, smothered and covered and uh, talking about the quarterback situation there. And you've got the last name down pat, so I'll let you do the honors. But that's another like okay, two years ago Josh Heupel was the bell of the ball before the late collapse. Um, I, I shouldn't say collapse, but you understand. I mean they were poised for the playoff they were poised to have a Heisman and then Hooker goes down and uh they win the bowl game which is great but they didn't reach the ultimate prize and then this year you know it it was it was good wasn't as good I guess you could say now what do we see in 2024 because I'm sure Tennessee fans are starting to think like okay uh, we we've been we've been flirting with it. Now we're ready to we're ready to do what Lane Lane Kiffin's going to get some people fired if he keeps doing what sure. he's doing in, in Oxford. So what does Tennessee look like in your eyes? I think they're they were a pretender last year. I never was on board Joe Milton. That was a stupid hype yeah. train. Even after his bowl game, that was ridiculous. Because he said that on this show. Believe me. Yeah, I mean you knew what you were getting from him, so that was crazy. Um, the bowl game hype for Nico Iamaliava, I think, is there and it should be there. Um, because he is, you saw him run. I think that's the most important thing is you saw him run, but you, we know that he can pass. We knew Joe Milton couldn't pass, right? We knew what he was as a passer. Uh, Nico is, I think, much more polished and refined and comfortable in the system. So to me, I think a lot of these schools now with the 12 team playoff, if you're in the discussion in late November, then that's success. For a lot of them, not all of them, but I think for a team like Tennessee, absolutely. So I think that's where they will be this year. In fact, on the show today, I'm talking about um, college football playoff odds, and, and you'll see where Tennessee is. I think they're, what, sixth or seventh nationally. Um, that might be aggressive, but you know, being in that discussion, absolutely they should be there, as opposed to this past season when more or less they were knocked out of it by the start of, of October. 
So, you know, I think that should be the expectation moving forward because they can recruit. They use their um, the collective really, really well. And that's different from the Spire group. That's a whole different conversation. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm excited to see what they have, what they have this year. They can run the football. And um, if Brew comes back and, and they get some production out of some of these other receivers, they're going to be really tough to stop. It's going to be interesting to see. And, of course, no more divisions. So, like I said before, a, a, an eight-win year where you finish second in the East and you're kind of patting yourself on the back, all of a sudden you look at the overall standings and you're like ninth and you don't feel nearly <laughs> as good uh, in a 16-team uh, Goliath that has no divisions. There's a lot to adjust to in 2024. That's what makes it exciting. Barrett, again, really appreciate the work that you do. Uh, the show is smothered and covered. Tell people how they can tune in. Yeah, it's live on YouTube and Rumble. Uh, I don't know exactly what time, still tinkering ex- exactly what we want to do for uh, for the live show. And then uh, whenever the live show goes up, about an hour after that, you can get it on Apple, Podca- uh, Spotify, all those other uh, as well. So um, really excited. But again, tinkering with the live show, when to start, when to finish. Um, but you can always get it every single day, or at least every single weekday. And then, you know, maybe at night if Boston College hires a coach at some point or whatever, right. we'll do emergency ones as well. Uh, I like that. Yeah, the, the 911 edition when some breaking news comes up, uh, you'll just do a, a, a one at an unorthodox time if that happens. Barrett, thank you so much for the time. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, boys. Thanks. You got it. Barrett thanks, Salee. Barrett. Barrett Salee of uh, Sirius XM Radio. And again, the show Smothered and Covered, now kind of his newest uh, venture, if you will. We will venture into the JC5 in the final segment when we come back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee if you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to Elite Roofing. 
GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Listen up. This is for construction professionals, contractors, facility managers, or do-it-yourself homeowners. Cypro Rentals is ready to equip your upcoming project. We rent construction equipment for any size job. Boom and scissor lifts, telehandlers, skid steers, excavators, air compressors, generators, even small tools and equipment. SitePro has you covered. If you are ready for better equipment rental, call SitePro and rent from the local, friendly, easy-to-do business with equipment professionals. Call 972-RENT-NOW. That's 972-736-8669 to rent the newest equipment in the Atlanta market. Call 972-RENT-NOW or visit SitePro. ProRentals.com. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1 Back at Base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Barrett Salee for joining us. The first installment of J.C. and Morgan here in the month of February, but certainly not the last. Uh, again, brought to you in part by Site Pro Rentals. I know we've got a lot of construction pros and contractors that listen. Want to make sure you know about our friends at Site Pro and renting equipment. It's important to have a local, easy-to-do business with friend in the industry who carries the only the newest equipment and creates efficiency for you and the project job site. Give them a call, 972-RENT-NOW. It's 972-736-8669 for better equipment rental. Uh, just a couple of things on chat row for those of you watching live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, from Hain, will the Big Ten get over themselves to work with the SEC? I think the answer to that is that that's going on right now. That just went on last week. So, yes, Hain. Uh, they have gotten over. Tony Petiti, I've said this before. Tony Petiti is a legitimate, uh, consummate pro now. Like the the JV team is out of there. This is a dude that's he. His goal is to be on par with Greg Sankey and, and run this thing right and make it the best. And you put those two together, that is that's a lot of power in that room. That and. I think that was put to bed now. Are they? Yes, they're comp- competitors, but sometimes, what is that expression, Jace? Something about your enemy, the enemy is your friend. I'm going to screw it up. I just know <laughs> this. Uh, they realize, even though they're competing, that if they join forces, it's going to be beneficial for both, and that clearly has happened. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey were just oil and vinegar or oil and water, didn't get along. Uh, and then Delaney... Well, I, I do consider him Sankey's peer. I, I don't think Kevin Warren was – I thought he's incompetent, and I still think he's incompetent as the president of the Bears. I mean, the guy got a stadium built in Minneapolis, and that's just about it. Um, 
and he uh, he tried to unilaterally cancel college football. What a moron! Um, but you know, Delaney was hyper competitive, and that that was a rivalry kind of. Um, and and I think now as we enter into this new era, it, it really behooves both of the major conferences to work together um, because of where we're probably heading. You know, it, it it's better to have the SEC and Big Ten on the same page than have some stupid alliance where, where they're sitting there talking about academics and, and all this crap. And then the big 10 is taking a switchblade knife, a Vito Corleone style in Godfather two, when he goes back and kills the Don and, and cutting up the pack 12. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. Okay. The ACC's and the pack 12 are like, Oh yes, sir. Yeah. We love academics. Like just, and all those are shots at the sec and let to a lesser extent, the big 12. Uh, all that was, let's just say we're better than you. And then, you know, your big brother involved just goes ape and and destroy, kills one of you and damn near killed the other one. So I think it's best for college football in general, and even maybe for the other conferences, if the big two work together. So, uh, one other one quickly before we get to the JC five from, uh, uh, Travis, well, we already answered the, the, the basketball part of the equation, he also asked, are you not looking forward to the ACC game of the week, Georgia Tech versus Cal? Uh, that's got CW written all over it uh, in the middle of a sandwich in the middle of a Gilmore go- Girls Marathon. I'll say this about, in all seriousness, the, the Cal, Stanford, SMU. Like, if you're the ACC, it's really not a bad thing. Are you telling me that you're going to be less intrigued by Georgia Tech Cal than Wake Forest versus Duke or – uh, I don't know North Carolina versus uh, Georgia Tech. I like. I I mean, it's fresh blood. None of them are that great in college football, so you'll have some some newer, fresher matchups. I, but everybody likes to bag on these moves. The ACC had to do something, and they they took the the best that's available. Do I think it makes it a stronger league? No, but I don't think it regresses because of it. That's my uh, opinion. And I like the storylines. You know, Stanford, Cal, the big called called the big game. It, it's remaining. And I'm curious to see what SMU does, you know, how, how it maybe raises the level of their program or not. And, you know, Stanford is a team and a, and a program that's been coming east for 100 years now. And they're a pain in Notre Dame's ass. So why not uh, become a pain in North Carolina's or Clemson's? I, mean, I don't know. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Here. I mean, the ACC could use anything, uh, a, a refresher of something, and something that doesn't dominate the headlines stating that their marquee schools all want to get out of Dodge. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, go ahead. Uh, and I didn't want to see the destruction of those PAC schools. Uh, I, I, I'm glad they got a lifeline. And like I said, SMU, man, I'm, I admire the hell out of SMU for what they did. <laughs> that is the ultimate just boss move. You know, just like we don't need your stinking money. We'll, we got this. Just let us in, and we will prove ourselves. Whether or not they do is another story, but I still think it was a – I admire a power move, and that was a power, power move. Speaking of powerful, the JC5, we're going to go no huddle, tempo offense. What do we have? Mr. Announcer, lead us in, please. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the JC5, number one. Okay, straight up, Mike. The Athletic had a big article today. You guys can go read it about personnel directors recruiting, uh, what could be done to fix the calendar. So just straight up, 
do you think that letting players sign letters of intent anytime they want, like in other words, you can go sign a guy anytime. Do you think that's the way they should go? No, I think it's I think it's awful. I think the calendar is way off on everything right now. You have to uh, coaches should not be worrying about the portal twelve months out of the year. Uh, I realize it's a little bit of hyperbole, but it's damn near it. It seems like like you, you, there should be specific windows after the season's over. You want to you want to leave? You want to bolt? Here's your here's your week to do it. And if you don't, then actually honor your commitment and stay where you are. So I mean, to me, that's just what we call compromise. Um, so no, I think the calendar is it's got so many holes in it. It's it's a big block of Swiss cheese that needs some major repair. Number two. All right, Kalen DeBoer. How many wins a year does he need to average the next three oh. years to, to, to get stay off uh, the inevitable hot seat in Tuscaloosa? Oh, man. Well, what makes this job, I don't, I put this in major quotation marks, easier is that it's a 12-team playoff. Could you imagine, like Alabama could have gone under Kalen DeBoer, ten and two, ten and two, nine and three, and you don't make a single playoff, and you're out of a job. It's the only school in the country with that type of expectation, right? Um, but with a twelve-team playoff, you get upset by Auburn one year. It's been known to happen. It happened to Nick Saban what three times? Um, maybe four, three by Gus Malzahn alone. Um, you you could you could lose an SEC championship game, still make the playoff. You could have a two loss season, you're still making the playoff. So that's what to me the answer to that question, JC. It's not the average wins. It's how many t- you you cannot miss a playoff. Simply cannot. That's just that it's unacceptable. There. That's number one. Number two. Alabama doesn't just expect to get to the playoff. They expect to win. They expect to hold trophies. So in three years, if he doesn't bring a national championship home, and remember now, Alabama's only got one title in the last how many years, even with Nick Saban? One in the last four, five? Yeah, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Right, but then before 2020, so it's it three years after they didn't yeah. win one. It was 17. Clemson got an 18, LSU 19, Bama 20, and Georgia 2021, 22, and Michigan so was last year. one title in the last five years? Is it my mm-hmm. math okay on mm-hmm. that? So – so they weren't exactly at the same pace with Nick Saban, uh, but the fans aren't going to accept that as the norm. So he, he I, bring a national championship home in those three years, JC. Otherwise, I think it could get real ugly in a hurry. Agreed. Number three. Number three. Michigan promotes Sharon Moore to head coach, and all their players, obviously, because Harbaugh left, can transfer. They're not losing anybody. I mean, they're losing guys to the NFL. Maybe we got here or there. What do you think is the ceiling for Moore in his first year at Michigan uh, in a new vamp, revamp Big Ten and um, as the defending national champions? Well, they didn't lose anybody in the portal, but they, they're going to lose a lot to the draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and J.J. McCarthy was the other uh, – I think some people genuinely thought that he would come back. And so you lose him – uh, Roman Wilson, by the way, lit up the uh, Senior Bowl week, not the game. The game itself is kind of a whatever, but as you know, J.C., covering things like that for years, it's the week of practice where all the scouts are looking and watching, and 
Uh, he, he earned himself a lot of money. You lose Blake Corum. You lose a ton of linemen. Um, you lose a lot off that defense. Look, I and Ohio State all of a sudden became Gordon Gecko and bought everything that they could possibly buy. So uh, the ceiling to me, realistically, this has nothing to do. It's not a knock on Coach Moore. This is just on uh, bodies. The ceiling to me is you finally lose to Ohio State. Uh, but you beat everybody else like you normally do, and you finish what eleven and one in the regular season, and uh, you go to the you go to a twelve team playoff again. You still go to the playoffs. So I, I think that's the the ceiling. And then what you what do you do from there? Again, I don't expect Michigan to go back to back with everything that they lost. I I just don't. Even if Jim Harbaugh was still the coach, I would say that. Uh, but I do think the ceiling is is the playoff, and that's still pretty damn good. Number four. Speaking of Gordon Gecko, Ohio State, it looks like they said, well, we're going to spend money. We're just going to keep on spending it because it, from the world of 2025 recruiting, guess what? The top player in Alabama from Birmingham Parker High School, Naheem Offord, commits to the Buckeyes this week. Uh, do you think we're seeing maybe the first cage animal syndrome? where there's not a coaching change because these guys are serious, dude. I mean, this is, this is, uh, this is unprecedented with what they've been doing. Well, I'm glad you said that because coming from you, that means a lot. You, yeah, you, you just you, don't march into Alabama and take their players from Alabama. Right. And you just don't do it. Right. You know? Yeah. And I know we get, we pick up new listeners every day, every week. For those that don't know, JC covered recruiting nationally for ESPN and 24 seven for years. And you know, the landscape of this, some things change and some things haven't changed. And what hasn't changed is you don't just do that. But Ohio State is doing everything and they're getting everybody that they want and they're spending massive amounts of money to do it. So, yes, it, it's Kate's you, your uh, prominent expression, caged animal hires. Th- these are caged animal moves that Ohio State is doing. I mentioned the letter from the school president as I know some uh, Ohio State alums that played for Ohio State, and they were reading it off to me word for word. And they're like, Mike, this is almost embarrassing how they're begging for money. Um, but that goes on. You know, when a, when a fan base says enough is enough, we don't lose three straight to Michigan. We don't watch the playoff from home. It ain't acceptable anymore. Uh, ante up, baby. Put more money in the pot. That's what they did, and obviously Ryan Day's job depends on it. Crazy impressive. All right. Number five. All right, Mike, straight up. Will the Mountain West Conference, in its new form, once they officially add Oregon State and Washington State, ever be a power five or no chance with that? No. No, I think I think that, that ship has sailed. I think it's going to be a power four world. And as we mentioned with multiple guests the last couple of weeks, that is even um, uh, ominous in, in, in peril. Yes. Tenuous, ominous. <laughs> uh, the, the, what happens with, I think the big 12 is actually on very solid ground and I, I've applauded the moves that they've made and, and very smart, calculated, non panicky moves. I don't think they're going anywhere, and I certainly don't want them to go anywhere. The ACC makes me nervous. I mean, I just don't know oh. what what's over that that mountaintop. Um, Even being like the basketball conference, like the ACC was, yeah. and they have more traditional 
powers than any other league, but now that's even gone downhill primarily because the SEC has been taking players that would normally go to the SEC. That's right. They'll be lucky to get four bids. The SEC today would have nine in basketball. And it's like, so now the Big 12 is like, I mean, any league with Kansas, Arizona, and all those schools is going to be, I mean, so you're like, what what does the ACC really even bring to the table anymore? Yeah, Uh, it's going to be fascinating. And again, I don't, I don't root for the demise of any uh, conference or bro. These are not things that bring a smile to my face because um, I, I don't think like Gordon Gecko. But uh, reality is reality, and I think all those things are tenuous at best. Uh, and the pack is no, the pack is it's toast. It's done. It's never happening again. Take the network, which was uh, poorly run. Going back to Larry Scott, that was that was big boo boo number one. Then you brought in another commissioner who got uh, kicked in the Klyovkov. Uh, multiple times to completely seal off the demise. Good stuff on the JC5. And unlike last week, we didn't skip four. Some of you said, where's my number four? Uh, we'll get out JC's cell number. You can call him, and he'll give you the number four, and you can discuss <laughs> one-on-one for a small talent fee. Uh, appreciate everybody. Appreciate Barrett Salee joining us. Uh, appreciate all of you out there. You can check out the website, jcandmorgan.com. If you ever have an email, you can shoot that, shoot that to us as well. We'll get to that chat row. We'll start answering more and more of your questions specifically on college football. I know we have listeners from other shows on chief sports and, uh, we'll continue the guest parade next week as well. I'll tell you about that later on. Yeah. Was that a, yeah, was that a uh, well, of t- approval or was that? Uh, no, I, I'll text. I'll text you about next week because I'll be in Las. I'll be, I'll be in Las Vegas, so uh, we, we. Oh, we, okay. Oh, I'll that's be right. like, yeah, we may not be at our normal time, but we'll be. That's around. all right. Yeah, we. It's okay. Look for that. We'll uh, we'll get it out on social media if we have to do an audible on the exact time, but we will have another uh, episode next week. Uh, again, thanks to our producer Phil Molinax, the Mad Dog for JC. This is Mike saying so long. We'll see you next time on JC and Morgan. <laughs> 